There can be a lot of distractions <clears throat> at Christmas time that can take our minds off the true message of Christmas. There's the putting up of Christmas decorations, doing the Christmas shopping, wrapping Christmas gifts, baking Christmas cookies, watching Christmas movies, not to mention the Christmas parties, concerts, events, and family gatherings, only to mention a few. All of these things can easily distract us from the real meaning of Christmas. But it was not just us that was easily distracted, but I submit to you that it's a tremendous marvel that the shepherds were not distracted by all the events that occurred, but paid close attention to the message that the angels gave to them. Think with me for a few moments about how easily it would have been for the shepherds to have been distracted from the angels' message. And I want to divide this up into two segments. First, the categories previous to the angels' message that could have caused a distraction, and then the events that were subsequent to the angels' message that easily could have created a distraction. So first, the distractions that preceded the angelic message. There was the sudden manifestation of the angel. It tells us in verses 8 and 9 that in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and lo, or uh, ESV, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. As I have been saying the last few weeks, this word appeared, poof, out of the middle of nowhere, out of thin air, as they are gathering and are watching their sheep, all of a sudden an angel is standing before them. And then there was a great engulfing light of the God's glory, verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now remember, this takes place in the middle of the night. One can only imagine what that must have been like. The only other place in the New Testament in which the word that is used in our text is found is in keeping with the experience of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. As he's giving an account of what took place on the road to Damascus, Paul says in Acts 26.13, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone round about, and those who journeyed with me. Now, that light occurred in the middle of the day. It was a light that Paul said was brighter than the light of the sun. It was a light that actually blinded Paul for an extended period of time until he was healed of the blindness that originated from this great light that he saw. <clears throat> That is the same word for the light that appears in our text. So that's this blinding light that is greater than that of the sun that comes upon them. I submit to you that that would easily be distracting. Can you imagine? Uh, they were not blinded, it appears, but certainly they had to have an adjustment to... Uh, trying to see is a result of this great light. And the scriptures tell us what the understandable reaction was, and that was in verse 
9, that they were greatly afraid. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. As we have seen in previous weeks, it was common for people to be afraid when an angel came into their presence, especially when he just appeared out of nowhere. Remember the account of Zechariah, Luke chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And there appeared to him, that Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled, and when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But in our text, it talks about a great fear. Literally, fear upon fear. It was an incredible experience that they undertook. Now, I don't know if you've ever been really, really afraid in your life. If you've experienced something that uh, just kind of shakes you. It is easily, it is easy for me to get frightened, to be scared, to be spooked, as it were. Uh, I don't like when things happen to me suddenly. Uh, I don't like it when people sneak up upon me. It's, it's not a good thing, because I have a violent reaction. I just lose it when I'm afraid. And I had an experience one time when uh, I was uh, in high school, and uh, I lived on a farm, and I would get up early in the morning to go out and help my dad in milking the cows. Well, one morning I got up, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I went out to a barn that was dark, and that never happened. I never beat my dad out to the, to the barn, but everything was pitch black. It was dark, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I walked around a corner, and unbeknownst to me was my father, who was just lying in wait to scare me, and I came around the corner, and he went, oh, right in my face. Well, it was pitch black, and my immediate response was I just laid back and swung. <clears throat> and I hit him right in the nose. Blood's gushing. It was my immediate response. But I'll tell you, it took me a while just to settle, just to, to calm down. I was up here. I was shaking. I was afraid. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have this fear upon fear. Can, can you imagine the heart pounding, <laughs> the shaking? You don't get over that like that. And the angel said, fear not. And behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I think my mind would have still been back here with this light and this angel appearing and just totally missed. Don't be afraid, and I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It would have been easy for them to have been distracted. Then, there were the distractions that came after the angel's message that it could cause them to forget all that they had heard. Once again, the scene changes. And we meet this word suddenly again. Verse 13. Well, let me read verses 10, 11, and 12. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now this, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. All of a sudden, now, there's this incredibly huge heavenly army. And that Lord of hosts, I mean, these weren't a choir, this was an army. There was a heavenly army of angels that it says was a multitude. A multitude. One minute, it's just the, it's just the shepherds. The next minute, it's the shepherds and an angel. <laughs> and the next minute, it's the shepherds and a huge heavenly army. That is an intention getter. Again, can you just imagine what that would have been like on this hillside? What kind of an impression would that have made? And then another message where they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with those whom he is pleased. I submit to you it would have been easy to forget all about what the message of the angel was and just to reflect on an army, a light, an angel. However, the shepherds were not distracted but stayed focused on the message. And so my first point to you this morning is may we be like the shepherds. May we be a people who just refuse to be distracted and focus our attention on the message that the angel brought. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want to look at the ways in which the shepherds focused upon the message. How we see this laser focus on the message of the angel. First, we see the shepherds focus upon the message in their belief in and actions upon the message. Verse 15. When the angels went away from heaven into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord hath made known to us. The shepherds' belief is seen in their words, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Note what they do not say. They don't say, let's go and see if this thing has happened. But rather they say, let's go and see this thing that has happened. They, they believe. They believe. They believe this thing, it says. So what is this thing? Well, the thing includes the birth of a baby. The thing includes that they will find him lying in a manger. And the thing includes what the message was concerning who this baby is, a savior who's Christ the Lord. So let's look at this message a little bit that they believed, that he is a savior who is Christ the Lord. The first thing we're told in verse 11 is that he's a savior. 
A savior is a deliverer. And he is to be a deliverer in the fullest sense of that word. A deliverer from harm, a deliverer from evil, a deliverer from oppression, a deliverer from all of the negative consequences and the outcomes of sin. He is the ultimate and true deliverer. But certainly, the focus is that he is a savior from our sins. In Matthew, we have the account of which the angel appears to Joseph that we looked at last week and says concerning Jesus uh, and Mary, she, that is Mary, will bear a son, that's Jesus, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save their people from their sins. So when it's talking about a savior, we know from the context that the primary application is that he has come to save his people from their sins. That is the penalty of sin, which is death, the penalty of sin, which is separation from God for all eternity. He came to save us from the penalty of sin. He came to save us from the power of sin, which is the dominion that sin has over us, over our lives. He came to free us from that bondage so that we might serve him. And he came to save us from the very presence of sin. So one day we'll be in heaven where there is no sin. There is no evil. There is no corruption. That we will live in a perfect environment of which we enjoy all the blessings and goodness of God apart from any of the difficulties and hardships that are associated with sin. As the great hymn says, joy to the world, for as the curse is found, every aspect of the curse will be removed. He came to be a savior. That is the primary focus. And the message, it says, is to all people, to everyone. This message that a savior is born. I hope you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. For all, the scripture says, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who is not in need of a Savior. We will not be accepted in God's presence based on our own goodness. It's solely based on Jesus Christ who died on the cross, rose again, bore the sins of all those that would place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. A Savior is born. A Savior who is the Christ, the Messiah of the Old Testament of which the Bible speaks so much. And it tells us that he is the Lord, if you look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want to focus our attention on this simple statement that he is the Lord. How are we to understand that word Lord? Are we to understand Lord in the sense of a ruler, of which, of course, he is, or are we to understand it in the ultimate sense of the way in which the word Lord is also used, and that is of God himself? The Lord, the Lord God. In answering that question, some people point to Luke chapter 2, verse 26. You might want to look there, Luke 2, 26 where something different is conveyed. 
In Luke chapter 26, we find that Christ comes from God. Luke 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. Here we have a genitive, meaning the Christ who comes from or was sent from the Lord. The Lord there is obviously God. And so we find out that that Christ was sent from God. That certainly is true, and it's taught many places in Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Galatians 4, 4, and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. So it is certainly true that God sent the Christ. But it is equally true that Christ is God. In, again, the gospel accounts, Mary is told that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. But what I really want to point out to you today is that the context of the word Lord is of God. For notice it states in Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now just look two verses previous to that in verse 9. And the angel of the Lord, same phrase, same terminology, That's obviously referring to God. An angel of the Lord is God's angel. Then, if you look at the next context, verse 15, Luke 2, 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord made known to us, again, obviously referring to God. God. So in the context, when it's talking about the Lord, it's talking about God. This is great news. For a Savior is born who is both Christ, the promised Messiah, the man that was to come, and God in the flesh. He is Christ. He is Lord. What a wonderful proclamation. And it was only the Christ who was the Lord that could be a Savior. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Well, the shepherds believed that this message was from God. Verse 15, when the angels went away from heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord made known to us. And what's very interesting here is they don't even say that the angel made known to us. But they say that the Lord made it known. They they realized that this angel had come from God and God was the one who had revealed these things to him. And the shepherds acted upon that message, verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. 
For they had said, let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. And they acted upon it. So my simple thought to you this morning is, have you believed the message of Christmas that a Savior has been born? That's what Christmas is all about. A Savior has been born. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that Savior is the promised Messiah of which the Old Testament speaks so much, and that Savior is actually God in the flesh? And have you acted upon that belief? Have, have you ever prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If you have never, ever asked Christ to be your Savior, you miss the whole significance of Christmas. That's what it's all about. It's not just about a season of love. It's not just about a season of giving. It's not just about family and all the Christmas movies that you watch. It is a message about a Savior being born who came to save his people from their sins. I hope and trust that you have indeed acted upon and received that great gift of the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you never have, I implore you to do so this morning. If you don't understand what that means, if that's confusing to you, I would love to meet with you afterwards and we'll set up a, a time that's convenient for you, and we will sit down and we'll talk about it. But it's absolutely essential that you place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the shepherds focused upon the message and talking about the message. What comes next is the shepherds finding the baby in a manger, as the angel had said, verse 16, and they went <coughs> with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. So what do the shepherds do next? Answer, they talk about what the angel had told them. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. It was the saying that they made known. It was this message that the angel gave that they talked about. And I want you to think about all the things they could have talked about. They could have talked about how difficult it was to find this baby. For it tells us in verse 16 that they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. This word to find means to, to search diligently. They went from house to house to barn to barn. They went throughout Bethlehem looking for this baby. There was no star over the barn. They were on a diligent search looking for a baby in a manger. They found him. They didn't talk about that. They could have talked about, you know, you wouldn't believe this, this light that was shining. And I'm not saying that perhaps they didn't relate the aspect of the fact that there was an angel that came to them or that they had seen a great light. 
But the focus wasn't on the circumstances. The focus wasn't on the miraculous. The focus is on what the angel said. They kept that central. They made known the saying that had been concerning this child. Not the events. The saying. The saying. The saying. Namely, that a Savior was born who is Christ who is the Lord. The simple application is, what do we find ourselves talking about during the Christmas season? There are so many things to discuss. Is your shopping done? Are you ready for Christmas? How many people hear that? Okay, that that comes all the time. Are you ready? Is your shopping done? Aren't the malls crowded? Isn't the weather unique? My, life is so busy. All of our children are coming home for Christmas, and we're going to have this gathering. Uh, We've got to go to Christmas parties. We've got to go to Christmas events. Do we talk about the birth of a Savior? Let us be careful that in all of our conversations that we fail to neglect to talk about what is the most significant thing. And that is Christ as our Savior. I'm not saying we can't talk about the other things. I'm not saying there isn't any place for that. I'm just saying let's keep the message of Christmas central. And I implore you especially with your family and your children. So easy on Christmas Day, you know, to get up and you open the presents and you have all the fun and you play with the toys and you have the big meal and you do all these things. I implore you to take time and just talk about The wonder, the amazement, the goodness of God that he gave us a Savior. And make sure that your children, the little ones, really know what Christmas is about. They understand it. Explain it. Talk to them about it. And the older they get, the more details you can go into. But take time to speak the message of Christmas. And the third point is the shepherds focused on the message by rejoicing in the message. By rejoicing in the message, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As it had been told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all that they had seen, as it had been told them. The shepherds had to go back to work. So it says they returned. They returned. A lot of people ask, who was with the sheep while the shepherds were gone? I don't know. But they return. They go back to work. 
And one may wonder, what did the shepherds do after that? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We might marvel that the message came to the shepherds at all. Many commentators stress the lowly position of a shepherd and how incongruous it is that this message would come to shepherds. You know what I marvel about? This message was sent to so few. On the night that a Savior was born for all people, the angelic message came to a handful of people. It was just the shepherds. You know, God is infinite in his power. That light that shone could have shone throughout the world. That angel that spoke could have spoken in such a way that the whole world would hear. But it was limited to just this handful of shepherds. The shepherds of whom we learn nothing more about throughout the rest of the New Testament. We find that the baby, excuse me, we find that the Savior came as a baby. And we know nothing more about Jesus after approximately the age of two. We know that he goes down into Egypt. We know that they bring him back. It's about approximately two years of age, and after that, there's silence. And then, when he's 12 years of age, we have the account of Jesus with his parents in the temple. And then it tells us that he went down and lived with them and was subject to them. And we don't hear anything about Jesus again until he's 30. Two, the 12, span, 12 to 30, span, silence, silence, silence. We know nothing at that time. And we find that Jesus even is telling people, don't tell them who I am. For the ultimate purpose is for Jesus to come into this world to die. To die. To die on the cross. And if you carefully read the Gospels, you certainly realize that even the Gospels focus primarily on the last week of Jesus' life. We know some details during those three years of public ministry. And we know the details of the of the birth that's here, but by and large, the Gospels focus on Holy Week, the time that Jesus enters into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast till the time that he dies and then rises again. So this baby who 
comes into this world is going to be revealed to us in baby steps. In baby steps. But this message came, verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what was that which the shepherds told him. So those people that were gathered around at the manger, they heard this message and they just wondered. And that tells us about Mary in verse 19, that she treasured all these things in her heart. She thought about these things. And I submit to you that all this happened primarily for Mary's sake. Mary's a common denominator in these accounts, in uh, the birth narratives, even with Joseph, because it's about marrying Mary. But my point is, I hope that you will not be distracted this Christmas from pondering all these things in your own heart and life. There are a lot of Christmas movies this time of year that will focus upon loving one another, of showing kindness, of being people of virtue, of giving gifts, of showing love unto family, all of which are good things. But don't lose sight of the message, a Savior is born. Then look at the shepherd's response. They glorified and praised God, Luke 2.20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. If you make notes in your Bible, um, and uh, you don't mind marking it up, I encourage you to to, uh, circle that phrase. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, and then draw an arrow. to the angel's response in Luke 2.13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. This is in response to what the first angel said in chapter 2, verse 12, when the angel said, Behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto people. For a new is born this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And now notice this, praising God and saying, glory to God. Draw a line from praising God, verse 13, glory to God, verse 14, down to Luke chapter 2, verse 20, glorifying and praising God. My point is their response was identical to the angels. They saw a glimpse of heaven. They saw what this is ultimately all to accomplish. This is the right response to the Christmas message. Praising and glorifying God for this great gift that he's given us. A Savior who is Christ, who is God. That's what we should do. Glorify and praise God. May that be our response to this, to this Christmas message, glorifying and praising God. Glorifying and praising God that he has made known to us this message. 
that Christ is God. God revealed to a handful of individuals, these shepherds, a message that he has preserved in his word and handed down to us. The message is that I bring you good tidings and great joy which shall be to all people. And here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about these shepherds and this message that came to them, which was ultimately for our sake, which was ultimately for our benefit. This truth has come down to us today. It was God's intention that this message would continue to go on from generation to generation to generation for it is to be for all people. This message is going to be proclaimed until ultimately the Lord returns in judgment. For he will always have a people. There will always be a remnant. There will always be a people of God in every single generation. God is truly praiseworthy. So let the message of Christmas, that a Savior is born who is Christ, who is the Lord, who is God, be our focal point. And be sure that you personally have placed your faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity and ask that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to invite you to receive him today by raising your hand and acknowledging that you want to have your sins forgiven and you're trusting in Lord Jesus as your Savior. Let me just say, you don't have to be in church. You don't have to raise your hand. You simply have to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner, know that that sin is rebellion against God and and want to be forgiven, and now want to live your life for him, that you recognize that that sin is a hideous thing, and you want to be free from it. He came to save us from our sins. So, I don't offer the invitation this morning because it's the only way you can be saved. But the reason I'm offering an invitation this morning is I want you to be conscious. I want you to be aware. I want you to think about this important thing, and that is this. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you do not receive him this morning, you're not being neutral. You're rejecting him. There's no sitting on the fence. Either you believe in him or you don't. Either you've accepted him or, as your savior or you haven't. There's no quasi semi-Christian. You're in or you're out. 
You're a child of God, you're not a child of God. And so this morning, I plead with you, be in, not out. Receive the Savior that he came to be. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came to save a people from their sins. Lord, we know that each and every one of us are sinners. And the message is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is no other Savior. There is no other way. If there would have been a, a possibility for salvation to come without sending your son to the world, you certainly would have done that. If it had been possible for salvation to come without Jesus having to die on the cross, you certainly would have done that. Lord, the very birth of Christ, the very death of Christ, teaches us the importance of Christ and trusting and believing in him. So, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes and hearts of people this morning. And if there is anyone here that has never, ever asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, that today would be that day. And so I put it to you. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning, would you please raise your hand? Would you acknowledge him as the sole means of your sins being forgiven? Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the message of Christmas. There are so many joys that are associated. We thank you for family. We thank you for friends. We thank you for gifts. We thank you for joy and delight. But Lord, most importantly, we thank you for the gift of a Savior. And I, I pray that we might rejoice, giving praise and glory to God for the Savior that you have given to us. Thank you that you have made these things known to us, that you've opened our hearts and minds, that, Lord, you have indeed have saved us. For it's in Jesus' name we praise and give thanks. Amen.